Welcome to Everything is Better Than You Think, a podcast where we focus on mental health, spirituality, and overall well-being. If you struggle with anxiety or depression, or are just seeking a higher quality of life, this podcast is for you. Welcome, everyone, to our fourth episode on pain and pleasure. I'm Rick Johns, and I'm joined here by mystery guest, nope, Jess Will Johns again. <laughs> Welcome, Will. Yeah, yeah. Sorry to disappoint everyone. I know you got your hopes up for just a second there. Just a second. <laughs> but at any rate, we're back again for more pain and pleasure, both found in this podcast. <laughs> but this week, we're talking about a concept called self-binding, which is important uh, with pain and pleasure. And it kind of has to do with limiting yourself. So, Will, maybe you remember, or do you remember any time, this is, this is a deep question, Will, have you ever limited yourself in any way? <laughs> <laughs> uh, great question. You know, I think the dream of every child is to live their entire life without limits. Mm -hmm. You know, you see children that just, you know, when you say, no, you've had enough dessert, they just want more. You know, no, you've had enough TV time, they want more. You've played enough video games, no, give me more, 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 more. So it is not really in human nature to want to limit ourselves. Yeah. And so the first time I can remember kind of deliberately limiting myself where it wasn't so much coming from my parents, it was probably around seventh or eighth grade, but certainly by my freshman year of, of high school, I would feel really awful if I didn't get enough sleep. And I realized I needed, you know, probably a solid eight hours of sleep. And so I would, I would uh, pay attention to when I had to get up in the morning and I would try to go to bed eight hours before that. Mm. And that was, uh, you know, we're talking about pain and pleasure. That decision was driven by pain because <laughs> when I had to get up early and I hadn't slept enough the night before, I just absolutely hated that feeling. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, that makes sense. And that's important for us to understand because today, Dr. Lemke in her book, uh, she talks about how important it is to place limits on our pleasure seeking and especially in the world of addiction. Yeah, and this is fascinating, this concept of self-binding. It's not a term that we use very often, but it comes out of her practice with people with, with extreme addictions. And they had to use self-binding techniques in order to keep themselves from doing the addiction. They had to figure out a way to put up enough barriers that they couldn't even practice the addiction even when they wanted to. <laughs> and so it's a, it's a interesting idea, not one that we think about very often. Exactly. And she tells the story in the book, uh, for instance, of a man who, and this is hard to believe, I'm sure, for everyone, got addicted to Amazon, to ordering <laughs> packages off of Amazon. And right now, I believe I am probably stepping on the toes of somebody because we do love the convenience that Amazon brings us. You click a few buttons and something new is coming and you see a little box on the doorstep 
and you're excited, it's very easy for that to be a pleasure-seeking behavior that can become addictive. And she told the story of a guy who had been doing it to the extent of ordering many packages every day, (laughs) going bankrupt, running up a credit card, having to return millions of packages (laughs) just to try to make ends meet. And it just became an obsession. That's what he did all day for fun to get the pleasure back to the Amazon app, find something cool, order it. And then, of course, we talked about tolerance in our last episode. It became Mm. less and less pleasing, and he had to order more and more and bigger things. You can see how this became an addiction and a real problem. Well, and then he, he essentially gets to the point where it brings him no pleasure, and he's still doing it. Yeah. So then it's a it's pain and pain. It, yeah. You know. So <laughs> the the act the habit brings pain and the result brings pain. So exactly. that's that's the brutal reality of addiction is that if we stay with it long enough, we will neither enjoy the acting out of the addiction nor the results that the addiction uh, leaves us with. <laughs> you have to discover that there are two sides to yourself. One is kind of the Jekyll, the other the Hyde. One is sober, the other is the attic. So the self-binding part is that sober part putting limits on the addicted part. Yeah, and and I think like in the case of this uh, Amazon ordering addict, what he had to do was delete his account with Amazon. So he didn't have, he wasn't even signed up with them. He had to remove the app from his phone. I'm sure he probably had to block the site from his internet and go through various steps that were strong enough to resist all of the uh, machinations of the addict part of his mind. Mm. And and this is a crazy kind of fight that we have with ourselves because there's this part of us that you mentioned, Rick, that's sober and thinking clearly and then there's this other part of us that would do anything for one more hit. Mm. And so self-binding is essentially going to whatever length necessary to make sure that the sober part of us yeah. wins that battle. It's essential. <laughs> it's absolutely crucial the sober part remains in control and has the control because obviously the addict part cannot be trusted with anything. And that's another lesson they have to learn. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, another extreme example that comes from her book are individuals that had addictions to gambling. Mm. And they essentially had to call every casino that was within a one day's driving distance from their home and put themselves on a banned list. <laughs> they literally had to ban themselves from the casino. Yeah. If we don't uh, catch this type of behavior in its early stages, we may also have to use such extreme measures in self-binding. Yeah. And this is helpful to understand. Another piece about the brain that I think is helpful here is that your brain actually is wired to accept no. Because when your brain is told no, it moves on to something else. And you can see this in so many ways in your life. 
uh, even if you're craving a certain food and you go to the fridge and somebody else ate the last of it. But usually you say, oh man, who did that? And then five seconds later, you're on to the next thing you can eat. Yes. And I, I see it in the ways that we receive news. If we're waiting to find out if we got a job, the torture is in the waiting. Yes. Now, whether we got the job or didn't get the job, the brain wants to know yes or no. And if you didn't get the job, hearing no is actually better for our brain than the waiting of not knowing. Yes. And so our brains can help us here with the self-binding because the self-binding is about telling your brain, we are not doing this anymore. It's off the table. It's not possible. Now we must go elsewhere. Yes. Yeah. And, and you know, so many addicts, you know, discover that when they remove the temptation, you know, through self-binding, then it relieves that pressure. It, it's, it's like their brain, like you were saying, Rick, their brain accepts the no. Yeah. And they're not in that torturous state of maybe. Well, yeah. maybe if I just do a little bit this time, it won't be that bad. Uh, yeah. Alcoholics, you know, do something really smart where they uh, dump out all the alcohol in their home, throw it all away, and they make their house an alcohol-free zone. That keeps them from that temptation of accessibility. Yeah. Now, they still have to be careful where they end up driving and, you know, sure. and all of that. Then the temptation at least isn't constant 24-7. This is really the only strategy that works with extreme addiction. There's just no other way. You have to do some limits, some self-binding. You have to remove it from being an option. There's just no other way. Yes, because the only way to overcome addiction is to not do it. Sadly, there's so many people that fall into the trap of, oh, well, I can I can control it, so I'm just going to do it a little bit. And next thing they know, they're doing it a lot. And, and depending on severity, she recommends, you know, if, it's, if it feels like more of a minor addiction, you could uh, remove it from your life for like 90 days and then see if you could handle it in moderation. Yeah. But if it's an extreme addiction, you're most likely better off just removing it uh, from for the rest of your life, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, because the addiction is always saying to you, one more, just one more, one more won't hurt. Yes. And if you give it that option, then of course, you're going to find a way to do that one more. Of course, the one more is not going to be one more. I think they even made a commercial about some uh, potato chips where you couldn't just eat one. Right. <laughs> which is probably true there too. But in any case, the addiction works that way, where you just say you're rationalizing, your addictive uh, craving says to you, I want to try it just one more, uh, just a little bit, whatever rationalization. And if you give in to that, it's over. Exactly, Rick. And, and this is one thing that I love about uh, Dr. Lemke's book is that she uses the wisdom gained from dealing with extreme addictions to help us catch that same pattern in ourselves in smaller ways. Mm. And so now I would like us to look at, you know, how does this concept of self-binding, which can sound a little bit extreme, how can it help us in dealing with everyday smaller addictions? Now, before we get into that, we need to remember the pain, pleasure, teeter-totter. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, remember she was saying when we over-push the feel-good button on the pleasure side, the brain wants balance. 
And so it shoves down on the pain side and floods us with pain when we overdo the pleasure. The idea behind this whole book is how do we bring that into a healthy balance where we're intentionally choosing certain pain in order to bring long-lasting pleasure, and we're intentionally limiting an overuse of, of what I might call cheap pleasure or you know button-pushing mm -hmm. pleasure mm -hmm. so that we don't end up unintentionally flooding ourselves with the resulting pain of that overdoing it. And it's exactly what we've already been doing. And this is important to understand because some of us listening might say, oh, self-binding, that sounds terrible, not fun. Uh, you just, you know, I was thinking, Will, as you were talking, all the marketing that we do and see on television and commercials, et cetera, it's always about your freedom and no limits and no boundaries. And yes. just something about that, the, there's all-inclusive, everything you want, you can have, you know, that's the, that's the lie of pleasure. That's the lie of pleasure that is marketed to us. Yes. But when we put this teeter-totter into balance, then we need a little bit of pain and struggle and challenge, and that happens to us in our everyday lives, and we've probably already been putting some limits. Yes. Even, even yes. setting an alarm... <laughs> is a self-binding technique to get up in the morning, go to work. It's a way that you limit yourself and help yourself accomplish something that is necessary. Yeah, that's a perfect example, Rick. And and now that you're saying that, I'm also thinking, and this may not be a great idea, but I'm thinking we could also set an alarm that goes off at night to remind us like, hey, it's time to get ready for bed. <laughs> um, because, you know, we set that alarm in the morning because we have to, yeah. you know, we know we have to be at work, say at eight 30 or nine or whatever. And we kind of count back how long it's going to take to get ready and what I want to do before I leave for work in the morning. And we set that alarm to kind of start our day so that we, we, we can function and get where we need to on time. But we're not always thinking at night. I know, at least for me, like when I get tired, I'm more likely to kind of slow down, not pay attention, <laughs> mm -hmm. not be very disciplined. And it can be easy to kind of wander into bed half an hour, hour later than what's probably best for me. Yeah. Then I wake up and not feeling great in the morning. So we, we set these limits on ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, I don't know of any child that I've ever met that wanted to go to sleep at night, right? <laughs> no. Nope. There's something in human nature. I mean, yeah, when we're really tired, we want to sleep. But there's something in us that's like, let's just stay up just a little longer. You know, like, let me do one more fun thing before I go to bed, you know? Yeah. So we set these limits because we think it will benefit us. And yeah. often they do. Yeah. Uh, I think of writing a to-do list is a way that we you know, limit ourselves, bind ourselves. Hey, I've got to get these things done. Here's my list. Helps me prioritize, helps me kind of bind myself. I need to do these things today and not <laughs> squander the time and not just get caught up in uh, doing just the fun things. Uh, I remember, Will, uh, you remember this, I'm sure. Growing up, mom used to say to us, uh, no dessert until you've cleaned your plate. Yes. And that meant yes. all the vegetables 
uh, whatever gross vegetable <laughs> we had to eat. And I was a picky kid, so it was tough. But that's a self-limiting, self-binding uh, behavior, making sure you get the nutrition, the vitamins and minerals and all that that comes in the vegetables that you need before you indulge in something with less nutrition, uh, even though it may taste better. Yes, yes. that And that the to-do list is a great example of everyday self-binding, you know, and I think I think this works best, Rick, when we connect our self-binding to our deepest values. Yeah. We bind ourselves to a direction that we want our life to go. And so when I create a to-do list, I'm trying to pull that out of what matters to me most. Yeah. You know, and sometimes it's it's a to-do list that's work-related, but other times it's, this is what I'm going to do this weekend. This is what I'm going to do on my day off because this matters to me. I want to make sure that these things happen. And we've all, we've all had the experience where we wake up in the morning on an unstructured day and the day kind of gets away from us. And nothing really of importance happens, <laughs> you know. Now, we may have rested during that day, and that may have been like a really good thing, but it can, sometimes we could see like a whole day just drift away into, yeah, uh, you know, it does, it's not necessarily addiction, but just things that don't connect to our values. That's right, Will. And when we're talking about the to-do list, it's a good time to remember that when we say yes to something, we're also saying no to something else. Mm. You're using mm. your time for something, which means you can't use that time for something else. Yes. yes. The lie that our brain sometimes, or our addictive kind of brain, or the pleasure side of the brain can tell us is, I can have it all. I can do it all. Oh, I'll just, I'll just spend a little more time on this. This is a little more fun, and I'll get to that later. I'll, I'll create space for that later. Well, the news is you probably won't because you're going to slant your, your brain and your heart and your uh, personality is biased to wanting that pleasure and avoiding that pain. So that's where you need to intentionally create these limits and this self-binding. Yeah, and, and it, what makes this so tricky is it can go both ways because we can also become addicted to work or to getting things done. And then we say... Well, I'll spend time with my family. I'll spend time with my friends. I'll I'll rest. I'll relax. I'll take care of my health later. And next thing you know, we've worked a sixteen-hour day, and none of that happened. So yeah, it's in either direction. Yeah. Um, when we say yes to one thing, we're saying no to something else. And so we have to be really clear about what is it that we value, so that we're intentionally making that happen. <laughs> and Will, you reminded me of a time in my life where I was having a lot of trouble with this because I was at that stage in our doctoral degree where I had to write the thesis. Mm. And writing that thesis uh, was painful. Yes. <laughs> required a lot of discipline, required a lot of energy. And of course, you have to footnote everything and read a lot and find your references and put them in and put everything in order. And it's really kind of overwhelming when you first sit down to do it. And so I remember the first step I took, I said, okay, I just need to set aside time each day that I'm going to work on it from this time to this time. Mm. And I said, okay, if I do that, then 
eventually I'm going to write this thesis because I'm spending, you know, two hours a day working on it. Well, when those times came, I found distractions. Yes. And then I realized I'm sitting down for this time and I'm not working on the thesis. I'm doing all sorts of emails and different things. And, oh, there's a headline here that's interesting. And I'm finding everything I can to distract myself. So after a while, probably a, uh, longer than it should have been, it dawned to me, I've got to come up with a better strategy because this is not working. Mm. So then I said, well, maybe I got to get out of my house. And sure enough, I made time every day to go to the library. Uh, and yes. I had a nice public library just down the road. It wasn't hard. But just the act of getting out of the home designating the library as my thesis place, being surrounded by all the books. I don't know. Something about the psychology of the library, I found I was way more productive. Yes. I actually worked on the thesis. I actually wrote something. Yes, yes. So that was a breakthrough for me. I had to change the environment. I had to set aside the time and put all those things together in order to get past the distractions. And then I'm going to guess, Rick, tell me if I'm right on this, that once you put that time in and made some progress on it, that, you know, you pushed down on the pain side of that teeter-totter, but probably there was a sense of satisfaction and some some pleasure that came on the on the mm-hmm. back side of that. Is, that. is that true? Absolutely. And it felt so good, even just writing one page for the day when I would leave the library I would feel really good. Mm. I did something because I had so many days that I did nothing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) That finally I was making progress. And then to go a few weeks and go, wow, chapter one is done. And I submitted it, you know, little markers all around, all around. And they build success. They build a feeling of satisfaction. The pleasure starts to build. And in the end, how many pages did you end up writing? Um, Probably about 200. (laughs) Uh, See, there it is, though. This is the power of self-binding. Without self-binding, those pages don't get written. Yeah. Because you're never going to feel like it. You have to force yourself, you know, to do that process. And, And this is the power of what we're talking about today with these techniques. They don't have to just be used to... Um, keep us away from some extreme addiction. And and maybe most of our listeners out there today don't have any form of extreme addiction. And and you might say, ah, you know, well, well, how does this, how does this even help me? It can help you be proactive mm. in getting some of those deep-seated values actually accomplished in your life. Yeah. And it can help us in just everyday experiences. For sure. Like maybe don't buy your favorite chocolate chip cookies if you keep eating the whole bag (laughs) at once. Yes. But it's simple, right? That's what you mean. The little things. I mean, that's literally one of the things I did to improve my diet is just stop buying the junk because if I have it, I'll eat it. If it's in my house, I'm going to eat it. Yes. And I think we all can relate to those little simple things we can do to improve our quality of life. Let our sober self make those decisions. Don't go to the grocery store when you're starving or craving those chocolate chip cookies. Yes. Go when you're full (laughs) and buy the healthy stuff. No, that's so good, Rick. And and I think when we limit in that way, we take those practical steps, we're strengthening the wisest part of our brain. 
Mm-hmm. And we're limiting the foolish part of our brain. If that's one way, I think we could, you know, yeah. we can look at that. Another example that you won't be surprised to hear from me is the power of having a budget. Yes, uh, budget is self-binding. Deciding I'm going to limit my spending yeah. to how this budget works, and if there's an area that I tend to like overdo it. I'm going to watch that carefully. And when I hit the limit, I'm done. So some people will actually put cash in an envelope yeah, and say, when I run out, I'm done for the month. Yeah. And maybe the last two weeks of the month, if I really blow it, I'm eating rice and beans. Right. Because that's all I can afford. <laughs> <laughs> Ramen noodles, here we come. But, but a budget is a way to take your values and say, I want to put my money towards this thing that matters to me. Let me give yeah. you an example from my own budget that's huge. My wife and I set aside money every month and we call it date night. And that's the line item in the budget. Mm. And if that line item actually comes in underspent, I'm disappointed. Yeah. Like I want to see us spend all of that money. Why? Because that money is investing in our marriage. It's investing in our relationship. Mm. And so if we don't put it there, yeah, maybe we we wasted on something else. It's not as important, and we don't invest in our most important relationship. Absolutely. And as we wrap it up here today, Will, there's so many ways that this concept benefits us on a daily basis. Even keeping a calendar, making mm. sure you put important things on the calendar or prioritize them. I love you. You said a date night. Put a date night. Many of us have said. Oh, yeah, I want to have a date night with my spouse. We like the concept, but we just never do it. We never execute it. This podcast today, you're listening because you know there's something you've been trying to do and you just haven't taken that step. You haven't said, how do I bind myself? How do I limit myself in a way so that I actually get this done? So whatever step you need to take, whether it's making a time for it, putting it on a calendar, setting an alarm, putting together the budget, Whatever step you need to take, getting rid of the junk food, not buying the junk food, not going to the store when you're hungry, signing up for a gym membership, maybe that's the little extra motivation you need to get out there and exercise. Whatever it is, what is your next step? That's what we want to challenge you with at the end of this podcast today. Yeah, and it, all it takes is some intentional thinking when you're in your sober mind <laughs> to say, you know, what, what do I really want my life to look like? And how do I kind of shape the path so that I'm most likely to go the way that I want to go? You know, maybe Netflix is distracting you. There's shows on there and you, you're binging them all night, waking up exhausted in the morning. You might have to self-bind and, and cancel your account, yeah. you know, delete the app. Take those, you know, it might seem like an extreme step. It might seem like too much, but if it's, if it's harming you in a very tangible way, dealing with it sooner than later is always going to be easier. Uh, we, we've heard the stories of how extreme this stuff can get, yeah. and we are all in that same human family. <laughs> you know, It's yep. not like, oh, that person's extreme, that'll never happen to me. It could happen to any of us. We've been talking today about you know, the importance of certain limits, but next week, Rick, we're going to need to talk about truth-telling. Absolutely. Because if we can't tell ourselves the truth about yeah. where we're actually at, 
Yeah. Then we're gonna we're gonna let the addict take control. Yeah. And live in denial. Absolutely, will. We'll look forward to that episode next week on truth telling. But today we want to challenge our listeners. What is your next step? What is the thing that you need to bind? What is the limit that you can put on yourself to make your life better? And we hope that you will find just that thing and be able to share the joy, the pleasure that comes from the intentional pain you've created for yourself. Uh, I love that, Rick. That is exactly what we're hoping for, for, for all of our listeners and for ourselves. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today on Everything is Better Than You Think with myself, Dr. Will Johns, and my brother, Dr. Rick Johns. We look forward to being with you in our next episode.